ask yourself, is that a pipe dream? Is that something that is really tangible, something that we can grab onto? We know, we know Pastor Todd can get it because he's a youth pastor. Yeah. You know, he, he, can, he can get the Zoe life. Yeah. And we know Pastor Tom and Shelby, they, they live the Zoe life. Without, you know, they're struggling. They're, they're, You've got to work at it. But can the average person, can we live the Zoe life? Is that tangible? Is that something that I can reach, something that, that me and you can grab onto? Amen? That's something that I've really been thinking about. Well, there was this architect. And this architect, he'd been retired, and he started, he opened up his own business. He really loved to build homes. And in this, he, 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 was, he did things completely different than anybody else. And how he would build a home and, and manufacture it and, and draw the plans is he would do an interview process. He didn't want any input on what size of kitchen do you want, what kind of countertops do you want, what do you want the wood to be made out of. He didn't ask what size of square footage of a garage do you want or a shop. He didn't ask any of that. He didn't want to know the square footage of your home. But what he would do is he would, give you an, he would interview you. And he'd want to know, what are your likes? What do you like in life? What, what turns your crank? What gets you going? And then he'd interview the wife. And, and what, what is she really like? What are the kids like? And then he would go into an interview process, and he would begin to interview the, the mother-in-law and the father-in-law and begin to interview the parents. And it was almost like a two-week process just interviewing and interview friends that he went to school, you know, friends he went to school with and coworkers. But he didn't want any input. On this, and the guy got paid millions of dollars to build homes because he built them so well, and uh, everyone they, they were like in line just to have plans and have a home built by this guy. Well, this guy Bill, he he wanted to have a home built by this guy, and he was he went in line and he waited and he waited and he finally got his turn, and you know and he he had the check and he wrote it out and he met with the architect and the architect sat down with him and he, and he, he goes, you know how I operate, right? And Bill goes, yeah. And he goes, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have an interview process. I'm going to went through the whole thing. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I interview people. But I don't want you to have, I don't want any input on the house. It's very important that I build the home from the interview process because I will put things in your home that you will never even dream of. Things that you wouldn't even think about will show up. Do you know anybody that has had their home built by, by me before? And Bill goes, oh, yeah, I have two friends. And I'm telling you what, they love their homes. I mean, they, these are homes that they can be passed down from generation to generation because it's a home that is built so well. It's not made out of particle board. You don't, the cabinets are solid wood, solid maple, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, I can't wait to get this home. And the guy goes, okay, so tomorrow we start the interview process, and when we get done with the blueprints, I'll give you a holler, and we'll go from there. And Bill goes, okay. So the interview process went on, and he begins, that was about two weeks went on with that. And about a week into his drawing, the blueprints, Bill's getting a little anxious. Because, I mean, he, he's, I mean you know, he just wrote out a check for, you know, $2.5 million. He's kind of kind of excited to see what's going on with his home. So he, he stops by the office, the architect's office, and he knocks on the door, and the architect says, come on in. So he came in, and Bill goes, how you doing? And the architect says, I'm doing good. And he's working on blueprints. And Bill, Bill uh, just, just kind of, you know, there's something in his heart. He wanted to say something about the blueprints, but he knew if he did that it would void the contract. 
because of how this, how this architect worked. And he began to talk with the architect. And the architect said, well, why did you stop by? And they got Bill said, oh, you know what? I was just dropping off a package. I was in the neighborhood. I just want to stop by and say hi. And the architect says, well, hey, you know what? It's good to see you. I need to get back to work. And the architect goes, or the Bill goes, all right, man. Hey, have a good day. So he, he takes off. And a couple weeks had passed. And in his heart, there was this one room that was really bugging Bill. I mean, there's something that he, that he I know the architect's going to miss it. If I just don't tell him, it's, 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 it's just something small. He's probably not going to care. So he's back in that part of town again. And what happens is he grabs a couple of lattes. Now he's got his in, right? Well, I just want to stop and bring you a latte. So he knocks on, he's got the holder, and he knocks on the door, and the door kind of creaks open. Just kind of, you know, a little bit of a creak. And he, he's, he looks in, and he asks for the architect. No architect there. And he goes, well, he's not here. What should I do? And he goes, well, I'll just wait inside. So he goes inside the office and puts the drinks down on the table, and he starts looking at the books, what kind of books he's reading. He goes, I read that book. And he's looking down around here, and he gets over there, and the desk is right here, and he looks at the desk. Sure enough, there's the blueprints with his check right on the corner with a paper clip. So he looks at the blueprints. He goes, oh, man, I can't look at those. I'm going to get in trouble. But something in him is just, just wanting him to look at them. So he goes back and looks, and he says, no, I can't, I can't do it. So he walks outside, and he looks out the door. doesn't see the architect. He goes, okay, I'm good. So... He runs back there, and he's looking, and he's got, oh, man, my wife is going to love this kitchen. And he's looking through, and, and he goes, I never would have thought of putting that in there. That's incredible. And he, and he flips through, and he, he opens up the page, and he hadn't been done because there's a still this one spot he's working on. And he sees it, and he's looking, and, and all of a sudden, the door starts creaking open. And here comes the architect. And the architect, nice as can be, says, hey, how you doing, Bill? And he goes, he goes I'm doing good. How are you? And and he goes, he, the architect says, I, I'm, I'm doing good. And, uh, well, what are you doing here, Bill? Bill, well, I was just in the neighborhood, and I thought I'd bring you a latte. And uh, architect says, well, thank you. You know, actually, I just stopped drinking those, but today I will drink one. So he's happy. And he goes, well, how would you get in my office? He goes, well, you know, funny, the, the door was open, and I didn't want to stand out in the hallway, didn't see it, so I thought I'd just come in. You know, man, you read some incredible books. You know, I've read that book, and I just started that book there. And the architect says, yeah, those, those are pretty good books. And then the architect asks, well, what were you doing behind my desk? And Bill goes, oh, he's, the throw the, he's just swallowed his stomach. And he's thinking, oh, man, what did I just do? My future, my home, it's what you, I just screwed up. And he goes, what were you doing behind my desk? And Bill goes, well, you know, I saw my check, and then I saw my name on the blueprints. I had to take a peek. And the architect says, well, what did you think of them? And he goes, they're incredible. The, I never would have thought of that kid. My wife is going to love that kitchen. My kids, the, the room that you made for my kids was, are incredible. And, and you, the shop, I mean, the shop that has a hoist in my shop and all these things that he wanted, things that he would have never have thought of. He goes, this is my childhood. I never would have thought of putting that in my room. And uh, he goes, but but there's this one area you didn't finish. Yeah, I know you haven't finished yet, but there's this one area, this one room. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm not done. I got about another, you know, five days, and, and I'll be done with them. And, and Bill's starting to feel a little good. Well, may, maybe he kind of squeezed under the radar there. And the architect says, well, Bill, can you do me a favor? And Bill goes, yeah. And he says, well, that check that's on the corner of the blueprints, can you take that check and put it back in your wallet? And Bill goes, and his heart just sank. And he goes, well, I, I don't understand. And 
Bill goes, and, and Bill goes, well, I, I'm still paying for him. And, and he, he goes, no. He goes, when you came into my office, we had a contract. I sat down with you. I sat down with you and your wife and your family and your friends. And you came in, and yet my, I, I don't do blueprints, and I don't do architecture because it's my job. I do it because I love it. I love when you walk into your home for the first time, the look on your face. I love the surprise that my homeowners see. You know, the home, the, the, the amount that you wrote on that check won't even cover the cost on what it's going to cost to build your home because I love what I do. So go ahead and, Bill, do me a favor and take that check and put it in your wallet. It's been really nice doing business with you. You have a good life. And this guy walked out the door, and he's going, what am I going to tell my wife? What am I going to do? My kids have been looking forward to this. I've been on a waiting list for five years. What am I going to do? You know, it's funny. The scripture God led me to, you guys are going to laugh, when uh, he asked me to, actually God wanted me to speak on this, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> Pretty good. If you guys can do me a favor, this one's not going to be on the screen. If you guys want to crack your Bible open to Jeremiah 29, 11, God show, started showing me something different in this, something different about the plan of our life, something different that God wants to do in our life. Just like that architect, God wants to do something incredible in your life. You guys there? You guys all know the 29-11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. That's a declaration from our Almighty Father. A declaration that He wants, he, He's already got that plan out for us. Plan to prosper us. Sounds good, doesn't it? A plan to prosper us, not to harm us. A plan to give me a hope and a future. It, it, it just sounds incredible. It almost sounds effortless. A life that is effortless, almost no cost to me, because my Father has made and set out a plan for my life. It, it sounds almost too easy. It almost makes me want to go down and buy a lazy boy chair, put it on the porch, quit my job, and crack open a nice ice-cold lemonade and kick that baby back and just watch the birds in my backyard because God is a plan for my life, and it's going to be easy. But wait, there's something else. There's, there's always there are other scriptures. There's other things that go into play. Let's, let's go to Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, Then you will call upon me and pray. Then you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then you will call upon me, and you will come, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. Well, there's a catch. He's got the plan for your life, the plan of the Zoe life, the plan of the life above and beyond. But okay, now we've got to pray. We've got to come to him, and we've got to pray. 13 says, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with your whole heart. It's not just seeking, but it's seeking him with your whole heart. Not some of it, but all of it. Amen? That word seek means to search. 
You know, what is that? Uh, the Amber Alert. Someone takes your child. Someone takes your child, and the Amber Alert don't come into effect for 24 hours. Is that right? Something like that. And But then you begin to seek. You begin to, to find. You begin, whatever happens, you've got to find your child. That's what that word seek means. It means to ask for. When you become to him and you begin to seek, you begin to ask, Father, what are the plans you have for my life? What are the plans you have for me? It means to investigate. You know, some of these cold case files, I don't know if anyone ever watched cold case in here. Some of those cold case files take years to solve, years. But they continue to seek and seek and seek for that guy who committed that crime. And sure enough, what does the word say? Your sin will find you out. He's found out. It might be 25 years down the road, but it's found out. You begin to investigate the promise and the purpose and the plan God has for my life. And you begin to seek for that. And this one I thought was great, to go toward. You begin to seek. You begin to go toward what God has for you. Amen. That means to cut off the old man, to cut off the flesh, and to begin to walk toward him. Die to self, just as pastor's been talking about the last few weeks. You die to self. Take your pity parties and take your little things and die to self and begin to seek and ask, Father, what is the future that you have for my life? Amen? In 14, it says, You seek me with your whole heart. And 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Another declaration. When you seek him with everything that you've got, you're going to be found by him. You're going to find him, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I'll bring you back from captivity. The word captivity is one who is forcibly, forcibly confined. Amen. Sometimes finances, we, we put ourselves financially in a position where we can't do, we can't be a blessing to others as God has been a blessing to us because we have put ourselves in, the, we're forcibly placed in a position because of our own ignorance, because of the things that we've done. Amen. Not only that, but sometimes we've, we've, we've burnt bridges in our life, in our friendships, because we, we, we screwed up. But thank goodness when we seek him with our whole heart, he will bring us back from captivity. Amen. It also means to be enslaved by a strong emotion. You know, anger. How in the world, if you've got a, a huge anger issue and you can't control yourself, how are you going to be a witness to those on the job site? How can you be? How, if, if you've got depression enslaved into your body and it, it pulls you from here and there, how can you truly be God's vessel if you have that depression in your life so strong and it pulls you, continues to pull you away from Him? Amen? God says that if you seek me with your whole heart, seek me and pray and get on your knees. If you seek me, I will bring you back from captivity. I don't care what, the, what your bills are. I don't care what bridges you've burnt. I don't care what your emotional hang-ups are. God declared that he would bring you back from captivity. Amen? I think sometimes we're just too lazy to get on our knees. We're too lazy to to seek after him. We're too lazy to do what God's called us to do. Amen. I, I, last week, Pastor Tom said he really doesn't give pep talks. I'm going to give you guys a pep talk tonight because I'll be the cheerleader. So 
That's crazy. The plans. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans. The word plans means to purpose. I know the purpose that I have for you. We're not going through life on cruise control floating. And you end up somewhere else. But God has a purpose. Just like that arrow that you pull out. And you and he ready and he aims it and he shoots and he hits the target. God has a purpose for your life. Amen. The word plan also means to consider. And I thought this was kind of cool because it, it means to consider when you begin to get on your knees and pray, when you begin to 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 seek him and, and seek after his will in your life, he starts to consider things. Just like that architect, the architect that did the interview process. He considered what the homeowner wanted. He considered what the wife wanted. He considered what the friends said of this guy. But the only way you're going to have that future that you want is to seek after him, to seek him with your whole heart. You know, I really think that the reason I'm on this tonight is because some of us were thinking, you know, the Zoe life, is this really tangible? Is this something that I can really get? I see other people living it. But is it really for my life? You know, I see other people that are blessed, but I'm not blessed. I, I, I'm going down this road right now. And you begin to throw yourself a party. And then you begin to get excited about your party. But God has such a blessing for your life. Such a blessing for your life. But all you have to do is seek. Kill yourself. Die to flesh. And seek after Him. And God says, I've got something so good for you. But just seek me. Just love me. Amen? The word, the word plan, it also means to credit. It also means an account. He's got a credit up there in heaven for you. He's got a credit on your account. You've got an account in heaven. When, when you start going through stuff, Paul, and things there, and God looks down and says, my son Paul's got an account. Here you go, son. I'm taking care of you. But you've got to build up that account. Just like you, you work and you've got your retirement and you've got this and that. Where's your account? Where's, your, where's the credit that God is, that living sacrifice, that when, you, when you fast and you pray, that is a living sacrifice that goes before God and it stands before Him forever. A living sacrifice, a credit, an account that is there for eternity. Incredible. And it also, for the people from the south, it also means to reckon. I'm reckoning. He'll, he'll even reckon on your behalf. That was for Marty, but he's not here. I'm Alabama. But God's reckoning on Marty's behalf tonight. It's so funny because we so bad, we want to get our fingers into the mix. We want to get our fingers into the plan that God has for us. And I'll tell you, man, it's, it's been really hard for me. If anybody knows me, I, I think our first two and a half years here at the garden, we had 10 cars. I mean, I like automobiles. And not just automobiles. I mean, I like Mustangs and Cobras and anything with a V8 that's really loud and sucks all the gas down, I like. And so now I'm looking for an uh, economy car. And it, it just, it's just funny. But I so bad want to go out and get this or that, but I've turned everything that I am over to God. Everything that I want, everything that, that I am, 
now belongs to him. And when he's good and ready, he'll say, go ahead, son. You've got that credit in my account. Go ahead, son. Ready to go. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. It's incredible. Can't believe I've done it so many times. Want to get my fingers in the God's plan in my life. I, I can't. It's just like it's like that cake cake mix. I mean, you know, when, when mom's cooking the cake mix and you want to eat, the cake mix is always better than the cake, isn't it? You know, what, what's funny is my brother and I, he's, he's back there. Whenever my mom and dad, I actually, I actually confessed to my mom and dad later. My mom and dad would leave the house, and I can't remember how old we were, but we'd get in there and we'd make a cake mix when my mom and dad were gone, and we would eat it. We'd eat the whole cake mix. And I remember one time, we were in the middle of eating it, and mom and dad came back early. We go, oh no! So we ran out the back door and dumped it out, <laughs> dumped it out in the neighbor's the neighbor's backyard. We dumped it out, and they go, oh man, we didn't even get to finish it. We so bad. We we want to get the the plan looks so good, but we can't wait for what God has for us. We can't wait for for that thing that God wants to bless us with. And you know what's crazy about this? Sometimes. God has this incredible thing for us. And if we would just wait this much longer, if we would just take those few extra steps to, to win the race, he would have this thing that is incredible for us. You know, I, I go out and buy a Geo, but God really had a Cobra sitting in the garage for me. And God still so bad wanted to bless me, but now he can't. Because I took, and he, he still might do something there for me. But that joy that takes from that father, that joy that that architect had, of l the look on their face, it'd just be like you going out and buying your son an Xbox 360. And he, you know, he's got a good account. He, he's, he was working hard. But he goes out three days before Christmas and buys himself one. It took all the joy that you had of giving that to him away. And sometimes I think we don't finish the race. We don't, we don't run all the way to the end. And we take that joy. God wanted to give us something so good. But we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait. I need to drink water. You guys see that in your life at all? That ever happened to yours or just me? Amen. I'm not the only one here. I know Todd, he's very, uh, he's got it together. <clears throat> I know the credit I have for you, the account. And I'm not just talking about finances, but I'm talking about the Zoe life. He knows the account that he has for you, the fullness of joy. He knows the, he knows the account of life that he has for you, the life that overflows. Amen? The account of the fullness of joy, the account of strength. The Lord says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. How do, you make, how do you make God joyful? You seek Him. You get on your knees and you pray and you worship Him and you walk into His courts with praise. He knows the account of strength that He has for you. He knows the account of love that He has for you. What does the Word say? Perfect love casts out all fear. You know, I think that's what stops Christians half the time on doing stuff is because we get afraid. And so we stop. But he knows the account of love 
that he has for you. The love that will cast out that fear. Amen. So you can move forward into what he has for you. Move forward into the plans that he has for your life. He knows the account of peace that he has for you. Some of you don't live in a peaceful home. Some of you don't have peace on the job. Some of you don't have peace when you're carpooling. He knows the account of peace that he has for you. The Zoe life. The life of the fullness. Amen? So we know the first key is to pray. The first key is to pray. The second key is to seek and to seek with your whole heart. Not some of it. You've got to die to self and you've got to seek him with your whole heart. Don't be lazy about it. Seek him with your whole heart. I think God's looking for a generation that is willing to seek him and to worship him with a whole heart. And everybody else is just going to be in the background. You're going to, be, you're going to continue to see those guys are blessed. Why are they blessed? Because they're doing what God's called them to do. They're making their father happy. Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In Matthew 6, this is actually talking about worrying. You know, you worry about what you're going to wear. You worry about what you're going to eat. We now begin to worry about, do I going to have enough gas to get to work? Anybody think about that? I'm driving a V8 truck. I like the sound, but I don't like the gas mileage. We begin to worry. We begin to, what am I going to do? But God says, if you seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, don't worry about tomorrow. At the end of that, it says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Just concentrate on him. Concentrate on me, and I will give you what you need. Amen? Man, so when I was going through this, just some good stuff God was showing me, especially in my life. We know God has the plan, the plan to to direct our lives. So what is the next step? Where do we go from there? Now I seek him and he gives me a plan. And he gives me, I, I know that's where I'm supposed to go, but how do I get there? Proverbs 20, 24, she's going to put this up on the screen. Actually, Tony, going to put this up on the screen. It says right here, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone Understand his own way. He's got the plan for your life, and now he's directing your steps. How are you going to get the direction for those steps if you're not seeking him to find out which direction should I go? Amen? That word direct, it also means ordered. A man's steps are ordered by the Lord. It's a command. God has commanded the Christian man's steps. He's commanded the man that has a backbone that is going to rise up and serve him. He's going to command your steps, and you're going to prosper. You're going to have a hope, and I guarantee you, you're going to have a future. Amen? And what God began to show me is the man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Well, that word order, it not only means 
a command to be ordered, but it also means in order. The man's steps are in order by the Lord. You know, we live in a microwave society where I want to get this now. I'll, I'll go, I don't care how bad I want that car. I'll pay 30% interest for 72 months because it's really fast. And I want it now. Am I the only one that's been there? I didn't have that, that much interest. But I want it now. There's no shortcuts to God's plan. It's step A, it's step B, it's step C, step D, E. And sometimes we want to go to step A and B, like that, A, B, and then get to D because I see Todd's enjoying D. I'm going to skip C. But that's not the order God has for your life. There's an order. He's ordered your steps to be in order. Amen. That's us getting our fingers in the mix because we want to skip steps. We want to move to our direction. We want to, okay, God, we know you're headed there, but there isn't that far off. Is that okay? It's not okay. He's not a God. He's just like that architect. He's not a God that's going to say, okay, do what you want, and he's going to sit back and continue to bless you. He's going to let you take that road, and he's going to sit here. He's still going to love you because he's got a covenant with you. But how can he enjoy, how can he put his hand of blessing on your life? How can he give you the things that he wants to give you if you go to D when you should be on C? Does that make, make sense? Man, God whipped me up with this real good. So it's, it's, it's in order. We've got to live in order. You know, God wants the real thing. You know, God made love, and Satan twisted it up and made lust. You know, something that God always has for you, the devil will pervert it and try to put something else out there for you. You know, God wants to give you a Krispy Kreme, especially with the youth right after service are selling them, right? God wants to give you a Krispy Kreme. But right over here is a, it's just a little bit closer, but right here there's a cardboard donut with frosting on it. It looks pretty good, but, man, that's, that's going to be another week of fasting. Gosh, that frosting looks good. So you, 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 grab, you go and grab that donut. You just screwed it up. If you just would have waited. God wants the real thing. He wants the real life. He wants the real worship. He wants the real prayer. He wants the real, I'm going to seek my father, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how long the race is, no matter what it looks like on my job. I want the real thing. God wants the real thing from you. Not the, 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 the two-second, thank you, Father. That's, and that's what he gets today. He wants to, to start now with a five-minute prayer. He wants the 10-minute prayer. He wants the 20-minute prayer. He, wa he wants, on your way to work, he wants you to put in the worship CD. He wants to, to hear you worship him. What does it say? The word, the God, our God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. He wants, he wants that relationship with you so bad, but yet we don't give it to him. 
Remember when you first started dating? You, do you remember that back that far? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I, I remember when we first started. Me and Lene, we first started dating. We were 16, and uh, we'd be on the phone for like three hours. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking now, why in the who in the world would be on the phone for stinking three hours? It's stupid. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. I got I got five things to say, and I'm done. But Lene kept that because she's an otter, so she likes to talk. Um, but it's, it's, it's how? How do you continue to talk? And, and you, get, you, get clo- you get close to the, the end of the conversation. And I remember Lene, she'd always do this. She'd go, she'd go you hang up. And then I'd, I'd say, no, you hang up first. And she'd go, no, you hang up. And so we'd be, on the, we'd be on the phone for 20 minutes. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, that was me. I just, now, I just, whatever. <laughs> I just hang up the phone. But when you begin the first date, you can't hang up. You don't want to hang up. That relationship it's so good. I don't, I don't know. I was 16. I don't, can't remember that. Was it good? I guess it was. I mean, we've been married 17 years. He's awesome. But that's the real thing that God wants. The, no, God, I, I don't want to go to bed yet. You, you, stop, you stop touching me. Stop touching me. And, and then I'll go to bed. And God says, no, I, I want to love you some more. He says, no, you stop it first. And then it's, it's just, that's, that's the relationship God wants to have with you. He wants that intimate relationship. Well, that's fun. <laughs> now we know God orders our steps. No shortcuts. So does that mean that we can live a lazy boy life after we seek him, and we pray for him, we, we pray to him and we seek him and we seek him with our whole heart? Does that mean everything's all good and yippee-ki-yay? It isn't? Psalms 37, 23, and 24. It says, if the man, the Lord, if the man delights in a man's ways, did I say that right? If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. Next one. Though he stumbles, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Back to the other one. Got him jumping back and forth. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, there's the big word, if. If. Let me tell you something. God wants to delight in your ways. He'll give you the advantage. Just like Pastor was speaking about last week. He wants to give you the advantage. You've got the advantage. You've already spit on him. He was crucified. For you, for your sins, he was spit on, beaten, humiliated, stripped naked, hung on a cross, stabbed, and killed. He's given you the advantage. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he will make his steps firm. If God knows you're going to mess up. God knows mistakes happen. The next one. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. It's funny right here. Though he stumbles, God knows you're going to stumble. God knows there's Peters out there. You start walking in the water and you, you start to fall down. God, God isn't disappointed with that. He's not mad at you. God knows that there's going to be trials and tribulations in our life that that, that cardboard donut looked good and you took it, take a bite of it and you're, you spit it out and you go, what was I thinking 
So you, you come back to C so you can get D. That's the if. Because he knows you're going to stumble. But what does it say? He will not fall. Though you'll stumble, you will not fall. For the Lord upholds you with his hand. It's like Peter. He'll reach down and grab you. It's okay, Stephen. I got you. He delights in your ways. There isn't anything you can't do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am equal to, stronger than, my part, more powerful than anything that comes my way. Amen? So let me ask you this. You've got, you've got a son, great kid. Let's call him Tevin. You've got a kid, and he's growing up in your house, and whenever you ask him, you say, Hey, son, could you get the dishes for your mom tonight so she didn't have to do them? Son goes, you bet, Dad, I'll do them. And he jumps right up. He gets right up out of his chair, and he does them. It's like that. Johnny on the spot. His name should have been Johnny. Dang it. <laughs> so Tevin gets up and washes. Tomorrow it'll be Johnny. Tevin gets up, and he washes the dishes. And, and you think, wow, that's cool. What a good son. And you say, hey, son, when you're done with that, the trash is full. Can you take it out? You bet, Dad, I'll do it. He gets on the trash. He takes it out. A couple days pass, and... And you say, hey, son, the lawn needs to be mowed. I know, I know you've got something going on this afternoon, but could you, uh, sometime this weekend, can you mow the lawn? You bet, Dad. Actually, I'll do it right now if you don't mind. Knock yourself out. So <laughs> he uh, gets on the mower. He starts mowing the lawn, gets it all done. And this is just the life of Tevin. Whenever you ask, he's playing his Xbox 360, and you say, hey, son, can you let the dog out to go to the bathroom? Okay, Dad. Puts it down, puts it on pause. Goes out, lets the dog out, walks him, takes him for a walk, comes back. What a good kid. Now, granted, this is your son. And also know that financially you could do anything for this son you wanted to. Finances isn't an option. So it's good. this kid always gets A's. Every once in a while he'll get a B. Always gets A's in school. His senior year, you go on a vacation and you leave and you come back. And you notice the lawn's mode. You know, that's kind of weird. Lawn's mode, and you pull in the garage, and the wife's car is all washed and waxed. Did I wash that before I left? I don't know. Maybe I did. So that goes on, and you walk by the trash can, and you look, and it's empty. Maybe the wife took the trash out. And you have dinner, and you sit down, and you ask Tevin, how, how was your... How was your few days when we were gone? I said, man, I had a good time. And this is what I did. I did this. I put some applications in for college here and went to work. And I did this and got that done. And you're talking with him and you're already done eating. Well, Tevin gets up from the table and grabs the, grabs the dishes and starts doing the dishes. And you look at your wife and you go, what's going on? I mean, you didn't tell him to do the dishes. No, he just did them. Well, over the next couple months, you start to see Tevin begin to mow the lawn without you asking. He grabs the garbage and takes it out without you asking. He washes your cars without asking. He begins to do things around the house. He was already a good kid. Now the kid went from a 10 to a 20. I mean, it's just like this is incredible. Well, Tevin wants to go to college really bad. And he, the college he has his heart on is USC. I was going to say the Beavers, but nobody wants to go to Beavers. I mean, 
<laughs> he wants to go to USC because he wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. Because his dad runs a company and his dad's successful. And he wants to follow in his dad's footsteps. And it comes time and it's, it's about a week till he graduates. He goes, hey, dad, I wanted to talk to you for a minute. And dad goes, all right, well, let's, let's sit down and talk. And he goes, well, dad, you know, I, I've been, I've got a 3.98 grade point average and I've been doing really good. I haven't gotten straight A's, but I really would like to go to USC. And then he goes, son, I kind of figured that. I mean, you got USC posters, you got USC jerseys. Uh, you know what I did for you, son? That's where I graduated. I already called the dean because I know him. You're booked in the fall. You're going to school to the USC. And the son goes, wow, really? Really, Dad? You're joking. Dad goes, no, you're going to USC. And question, though, why did you want to go to USC? Well, Dad, I've watched you run your business. And I have some ideas later in the future for the business and maybe how to make it run to bring something new into it. But I just want to follow you because I love you, Dad. And the dad goes, all right, that's cool. And the, and the dad goes, well, there's something else we want to do for you. I, I got a credit card I want to give to you for emergencies. If you need some clothes, you know, you've been incredibly responsible. You've got your own job. You, you've done this. You, you never asked for anything. And so I don't even, you're so good. But we've got you a credit card because we know you're responsible. I'm going to credit your account, son. I'm going to credit your account. And we know that USC is about 800 miles away and that Dodge Omni that you've been driving, getting around, getting around all, all uh, primered out. Son, your mom and I wanted to do something different for you. We, we, have you been out in the shop in the last week or so? No, Dad, I haven't been out there. Well, your, your mom and I bought you a new, a new Jeep, a Wrangler. Oh, are you serious, Dad? Well, son, you're going to be 800 miles away. I, we kind of wanted you to be, to, to have a reliable car. And son, you've blessed us so much. We enjoy having you in our house. You tell me that if that was your son, that you wouldn't do anything you could to bless him, to give him a future, to give him something that would set him up, to catapult him into the next years of his life. Would you or wouldn't you? But then, this is good. But then Jesus comes to us. And it's early in the morning. He wakes us up 30 minutes early for work. And you look at the clock and you go, ugh. Alarm clock hasn't even gone off yet. And you hear that still small voice and Jesus says, hey, why don't you spend a little time with me this morning? And you go, oh, God, I'm tired. Anybody ever do that? Oh, why? And he just says, just, just a little bit of time. The still small voice, just a little bit of time. And you say, God, I got so much stuff I got to do today. So you get up and you go down and you put on the coffee pot. And God goes from the side of the bed and he sits down. That look on his face. Because all he wanted to do was spend a little time with you. And then it's lunchtime. And you're headed to lunch. You're headed to Subway because Jarrett got fit on Subway. So you're headed to Subway. If I can do anything right, I'm going to get fit. 
So you're going to go get this salami, pepperoni, um, double meat sandwich. It's going make to you, make you real fit. And you're listening to KGON Rock. That's from our hometown. And the Eagles are on. I don't even, what, I don't even know one song the Eagles play. But the Eagles are on. It sounds cool, like a sore with an eagle. But the Eagles are, are on, and you're just jamming away, and you're playing the drums, and you almost hit a car, and then you stop, and you go, oh, thank you, Lord. And you, you keep playing, and things are going on, and, and God, God says, that still small voice, hey, son, why don't you put in that worship CD? And you go, oh, God, this is my favorite song. It's the Eagles. And, you, and, and you're listening to it, and, and, and God just says, just, just put it in and spend a little time with me. And you go, oh, later. And so you finish listening, to the, finish listening to the Eagles, and then you forget. Why? Because Jesus sat back down in the passenger seat, that look on his face, wanting to spend time with you. But the Eagles are so cool. KGO and rock. <laughs> but the day goes on. You're in bed. You're getting ready to turn in. And Jesus gets down on his knee next to the bed. And he goes, hey, why don't you read the Bible a little bit? It's right there on the bedside table. Why don't you spend a little time with me? Just read 10 minutes. Spend some time with me. I want, I want to show you the future. I want to show you the plans I have for your life. I want to, I want to show you things. But you just kind of roll your eyes. God, I had a tough day. But son, I, I want to show you the future. I want to show you things that will, that will profit your life, things that will, that will bring you forward, things that will excel you in life. God, law and order is going to be on in five minutes. It's a new episode. It's a good one, too. And God just sits there and looks at you. And he gets up. Go ahead and close your Bibles and your books. And how many times does God come to us? And we say, maybe tomorrow, Lord. There are so many things that are messed up in order in our life because we want step E so bad that we won't even do B, C, and D because we know that that Todd's living the good life. I want to drive that truck. I don't care if I have to pay $5 million for it in interest. It's mine. (laughs) But God's got a plan and a future. And all he wants to do is spend some time with you. All he wants to do is spend some time with you. You guys want to close your eyes and bow your heads? Thank you, Father. You know, there, 